What's up, everybody? It's Aslan. This is what we call a cold open in the business. There's, there's no opening credits. We just go right to the business at hand. Uh, we did an entire podcast, uh, over an hour's worth. Had Michael Langston on, talked recruiting. But then after we were done, uh, Florida State got a commitment. So that's cool. Uh, out of the transfer portal. Case erotic. So it'd be weird if we didn't talk about it, right? What, we'd be remiss. It'd be derelict of duty, all that sort of stuff. Anyhow, here's Michael Langston talking about Case erotic, and then we'll have the entire show run right after that. All right, let's get to it, man. Uh, been a busy weekend. Nice finish, though, on Sunday night. Uh, Florida State gets a commitment out of the transfer portal. Uh, Casey Roddick, what do we know, Michael Langston? Yeah, Casey's a Colorado transfer. Uh, he's a guy they've been on a really hard, even even well before this visit was set up. Uh, FH, uh, Atkins went to see him first. Then Norvell came in after that the following week to went to see him as well. They're really pushing. As I told people, if you read, if you read out, this is why we tell you guys to read all the recruiting reps. If you read the first night uh, when I talked about Casey Roddick, I said, uh, even the second night too, that there's a lot of buzz about, you know, this, uh, there's a lot of positive energy going on as far as the way FSU feels about this recruitment, you know, going into just, you know, the way he, he enamored about the energy, the culture, the connection he felt to the university, it just was everything. Now, I, th- I think he's going to commit Sunday night. No, but I felt like FSU felt that they were in pretty pretty good position. So I think um, really, and in, in this is a guard slash center, I think you're going to see him play some center. I think he has some capabilities to play that. So I don't be surprised if you see some work there at the center position. Um, certainly an interior guy, but, um, man, um, just another gem of a guy, uh, as far as prospect for, for Alex Atkins. I mean, I mean, when he gets on these guys, it's just like, you just hold your breath because you feel like every time he's involved in the recruitment, they have a really good shot to get the kid. I don't care. I don't care who it is. Um, and to be honest, uh, going into next week, I don't think they're done. I think uh, it could be a good week for offensive line recruiting. I'll cover that a little bit late, late, late tonight. I'll drop a few notes on offensive line and other things. But um, I think everything's going as planned as far as what they're doing, both from the portal and from the high school work as far as the offensive line goes. Roddick, 6'4", 310, started 30 of 42 games in his career at Colorado. You might have been worried that you're losing Dylan Gibbons. You might be losing Demetri Manuel, but you can plug this guy in, so that's the obvious thing. Well, what do you think they liked about him on tape as well, Michael? I think it's finishing. Uh, he finishes really well. He engages in the blocks really well, sustains it really well, and, and uh, certainly very good in, in opening up run creases, very good. And when you, I think, I think what they wanted the most, too, in this, because uh, obviously you have a quarterback that's mobile in Jordan Travis, so you want to see guys that have nice numbers in pass pro. You know, I think there's some some nice stuff with uh, you know, Casey and and both the run and the pass. And uh, but I think I think ultimately they wanted a balanced type of offense lineman could come in there, you know, have an instant impact. And and I think certainly uh, Casey fills all those those wants of what you're looking for. Hey, Amen. Pretty darn good at the pass blocking, run blocking. Yeah. Not really as strong, but still grading on pass 80. blocking. Yeah, really. That was the thing I'd heard the most about was the pass blocking. I think it was like eighty-five, uh, the average for one one year, which is pretty pretty ridiculously high. Um, but I think um, you know that's what his strength is, what he does well. It's kind of why I think they want to mix him in at center um, because uh, certainly, I mean, if you get a you get a pass blocking you know, interior guy that can do that. There's, there's so many things you can do with your offense. And so I think that's really attractive to FSU to pulling in a guy like Casey Roddick. They still got two other guys that they're very involved with. Um, certainly Jeremiah Bowers who visited and then also Keandre Jones who also visited, like I said, could be a good week. Yeah. I don't want you to give it away, Michael, but so I'm not giving it away, but I'm just not, saying I think they have, offensive line when it comes to transfers though. Yeah. I think they're doing a good job. I think they're in a good spot uh, with, with uh, some guys currently now, could that change possibly, but I think they're training in a good direction for you know, where things are at in the offensive line recruiting department. From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. 
Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What's up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show, groundbreaking football-only facility. It's happening. The Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week, and Corey Clark gives us 17 good minutes on the World Cup. Kidding. Michael Langston's going to break down <laughs> recruiting, but Corey will talk about the World Cup, too, I'm sure, at some point. I'd like to talk about it. We could all talk about over cold beers at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, the presenting sponsor of War Chant's Wake Up War Chant, which you can hear right here on your Apple device or your mobile device, whatever it is, or maybe even your laptop or PC. However you roll when you listen to the show, we appreciate it. You should head over to the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Daily lunch specials, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. On Monday, we have Victory Burgers. Go check it out. You get a side dish. You get curly fries, straight fries, side salads. World's your proverbial oyster over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Play some billiards, shoot some darts, anything you want. Check them on out. Always pull out that phone. Don't forget, camera app it. Hit the barcode. Takes you right to the website. The, the QR code, rather. Warchant.com, the ultimate symbol sports source. Again, thumbs up, like, subscribe. We'd appreciate it. And the website as well. You could know about all the stuff that Michael Langston is going to break down later on the show. Hours in advance of hearing this if you're a subscriber to Warchant.com. And some columns from Corey, Ira, throughout the weeks. Corey, how are you, friend? I'm good. I, a little frustrated. Um with the with my headphone situation of my own doing of my own making uh before we started this show but i'm i'm gonna try to rally i'm gonna try to bounce back uh you know you guys don't need to know what goes on in the weeds but it was a very frustrating last 20 minutes but here we are i'm in tallahassee brought brady down for a few days that's right all right um so we're just gonna he, you know he gets to we, we want to make it a tradition that he's always here on national signing day okay i like um, it that's actually not true until he has his own where he's, you know, he's putting on the hat. We want to. I want him to see what how the other half lives. And then, uh, yeah, man. So it's a big week. You got, you know, the portal's still wide open, coming in, going, and then uh, the national signing day is on Wednesday. And like you said, um, Langston's going to be talking about all the uh, all the happenings this weekend because it was a big weekend for them Huge. over at Moore Center. Huge. Huge. So, yeah, I'll be uh, on the lookout or the, the listen out for that later on the show. It's always in the show notes, item description. Shout out to Ira, by the way. My gosh, that guy. Crushing the recruiting stories. I, I want to, like, pull him aside and be like, don't we have other people for that? But, hey, he crushes them. I read the stories. He did a knockout job. He did a great job with them. And uh, I hope everybody's on the site getting all the updates because they're they're coming fast and furious. So, portal-wise, indeed, it is open. Uh, the early signing period starts on Wednesday. We'll probably have a live show with Michael on Tuesday, and then we'll have some sort of live coverage on YouTube with Tom Lang and Michael and myself because the team practices on Monday. Today, later today, they return to practice in Tallahassee, getting ready for the bowl game against Oklahoma, and then Wednesday as well. Uh, and then we get Norvell later on in the afternoon to talk about the recruiting class. So, lots going on this week. Hope you all are ready to jump back into it with us. And... The weekend was great, Corey, because uh, the weather was awesome for the groundbreaking, the ceremonial groundbreaking over at the Al Dunlap practice facility, which is now going to be called, I don't know, like the Al Dunlap Galactic Headquarters for Florida State Football Excellence or something. Right. But yeah. it, okay. it's finally happening, everybody. That, that football-only facility, which will take 18 to 24 months to complete, uh, they did the ceremonial groundbreaking President was there, Richard McCullough. We had everybody. Richard, uh, Michael Alford, the Athletics Director, Stephen Ponder, CEO of Seminole Boosters. Eric Carr was up there representing the uh, Dunlap family. Mike Norvell with a spirited speech that I'm sure most of you listened to. What did you think about when, when Norvell taps into, like, Reverend Mike? Uh, I'll let you know. I was there. I felt a little bit, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but I was like, man, he's really going for it. This feels a little bit weird. And I kind of, like, got a little bit, un like, I, I looked like I was, uncomfortable but i looked around and everybody was just in awe so it was just the me thing i think everybody else loved it but i was like wow man like Mike. i don't think we can judge the rest of humanity by your reactions well i was you know what i mean me to the rest of everybody else yeah yeah that's what i'm saying you're your own you're your own uh, entity yeah you're you're an anomaly and i mean that in a good way like mm -hmm. you i don't think you represent uh how most people feel i think you have a, a different view i think we both do all of us do i guess but you're all snowflakes we are all snowflakes, but your snowflake is a little uh, well, fancier. I don't know how to. 
less crystal. Oh, okay. Nebulous. Like, More nebulous. Yeah, yeah sure. Right. Le- less defined. It's hard to define you. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I I get it because I watched it too, but I he's not talking to us, right? He's right. talking. He's talking to the people that could keep giving money to this university, that he wants to keep giving money to this university. He's not just talking to the people that are sitting there because Lord knows they wanted to keep that thing pretty private. So there, there were some very important people there, but he's talking to everybody else and basically saying like, you know, basically trying to strike when the iron is red hot. Um, and I, I, I got that impression. Uh, but yeah, I could understand how maybe you might view it I don't even know if cynically is the right term, but but I he's not he's not aiming at us. He's aiming oh, at the right, people right, right. He, he, that are that you know they they're going to need because it's it's what it represents, right? Because yeah, they they they're breaking ground on a I don't what is it 50, 60, 100, I don't know how 100 much 100 million dollars. 100 million dollars. Uh, they're breaking ground on that. Um but that 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 faucet needs to be on for the for the rest of time. <laughs> It does. When you're talking about college football, right? Yeah. Yep. Like that faucet has to be on for the rest of the time. So he wants to make people understand how important it is uh, to keep up w- with everyone else and why it's so important to um, to have nice things for the football program and have nice things for the football players. I will say this. I haven't been to many groundbreakings in my life. I think maybe two. But wouldn't it be better if they were actually like up, up on caterpillars and actually get to work? <laughs> like the, the famous skyscraper lunch photo that was uh, a photo op it was staged like correct but this wouldn't be staged this would actually be the people that were there holding the shovels they're actually on caterpillars and they put in an hour's worth of work what are you waiting on (laughs) guys we've been waiting what 10 years for this get to work we don't we don't need photo ops i feel like i feel like jimbo was talking about this eight years ago yeah um and here we are we we made it um you know i I, I had, I had, there weren't arguments. I had conversations with Ira and Jeff about in this day and age, the importance of something like this. Right. Like, wouldn't that hundred million dollars be better spent? Player acquisition, know, player retention. Or in yeah. coach retention. Yeah. And coach acquisition. But this is a necessary, in, in, they didn't disagree necessarily, but this is something that you, you almost have yes. to have just to be on the same level is the people you're competing against then you're gonna have to turn on another faucet or maybe this faucet you know you know different turn it on to full blast the the people that were there man they they love this program on a different level uh correct i I don't want to say it like in that fashion but like they they want to invest in something that is just not not so much brick and mortar but like it is just it's always going to be there it's just something that's going to provide such stability to this university and to this football program, man, players, coach are going to come and go. And you, you know, we know a little bit more yeah. about the portal now. So you probably feel a little bit more better when you're donating or gifting money to collectives that are going after guys in the portal, because like, all right, we know that kid. We saw what he can do. I feel good about giving you $80,000 to help out the cause of that. But everything else has been a crapshoot since the beginning of time when it comes to college athletics, like giving money to this coach or to this recruit. But man, when you have a facility like that, um, and it's just going to be such a just an absolute. I don't want to call it a game changer, but man, that just it shows the nation that in this day and age, where the playoffs going to expand, realignment is nowhere near over. That man, this this institution is always going to invest in football. And if you're going to create some sort of super league, and you don't have this program in it, you're doing it wrong. So I think there's so much into involved, and it's more than just keeping up with the Joneses. But I'm glad yeah, to see and it, it, it it does show an investment, and it was a long time coming. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Do they have a plan? Did they, have they talked about a plan? Cause you were there. I don't know how much was said about what they think it'll be 18 to 24 months. That so was, it should yeah. be, you know, by the time the, the second season of the playoffs, the first season of the playoffs, yeah. it, it should be done. Like it should be done middle of 2024, maybe mm-hmm. end of 2024. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's encouraging. Um, you know, I, in, and because it, you know, look, when you're, when you look around the people you're competing against, they have them are building them themselves. And, you know, I just think I, I questioned it when Jimbo brought it up at the time. It was funny. I remember this specifically. It was maybe the 2015 or the 2016 ACC, the thing in, uh, Amelia Island. Yeah. 
whatever that's called. The, the, it's the ACC, ACC meetings. spring meetings. It's ACC meetings, I think they call it. Yeah, so I remember writing it. I remember like that was the push that year where Jimbo was talking about uh, the football-only facility. And I, I, was the, I was the columnist of the Democrat at the time, and I kind of made fun of him. Like, oh, here we go. I thought, I thought the IPF was the, the thing that mattered most. The IPF, the paint isn't even dry on it yet. And now you're talking about building something else for another 50 or $75 million. And then, um, I can't remember, somebody in the department, uh, and they, weren't, they didn't call me to like rip me. They called me to explain the situation. And like, look, man, Purdue has one. Purdue has one. Northwestern has one. All of these schools have them. Don't you, you, you it's hard. You, you can't be the one of the eight power five schools in the country that doesn't have your own football facility. And that's where it's going, that everybody's going to get one. And, and they were right. And I actually wrote as much afterwards when I found out how many other schools had them. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. You, you, you're going to need something like this. I think it's outlandish. I think it's dumb. But, you know, you got to spend all this money on something. So the, these schools are building state-of-the-art they look like if you because I've been to, I've been lucky enough to be like in the Falcons practice facility um, for like flowery press branch, conferences and stuff. Right, right. Flowery yeah, branch. flowery branch, yeah. and that's what I mean. It's not as big as that thing is because that thing is like a uh, hundred fifty thousand square feet. Does that sound about right, or is that too large? For no, what the flowery what branch? Well, that's what Florida State's is going to. Oh be. no, it's this is bigger than that. This is like its own office, like office building, like oh, its right. own Nakatomi Plaza. Right, um, but it's it's. The it's Correct. Yeah, all my all our favorite Christmas movies. So, but it, that's when I was in that building. That's what the that's what all these things are going to become. They are becoming these huge, almost like they look like the the college of football, like the like the college yeah. of business, the business school. The co you know that that's what these well facilities look yeah, like, yeah. and uh, that's what this is going to be. And there's going to be a lot. They you have to put a lot of money into it because it's bringing in a lot of money, and it matters. So uh, yeah, man. I you know I. Um, it was kind of anticlimactic because it, you just, it's like, you can't, it's been so long and like, we're now in the age of the portal in NIL where it doesn't seem like that big a game changer in recruiting because you can flat out pay players now. But I, I just think for the overall health of the program, like you were saying for the, for the optics of the health of the program, it'll be a really nice thing to have. And I listen, I think I look at it being more important than you do. This is what makes the show good, that we kind of disagree on some things, but we're civil about it. But I, I really think that these kids obviously have their own calculus they're factoring in their head about where they want to pick a school. And I, money is near the top of it, if not the top sort of factor for it. But I think when you're, when you're debating between Alabama and LSU and Georgia and then Florida State, and you know that Alabama and LSU and Georgia have – this football palace where you're going to, when you're not in class, which you might actually be, all your classes might be online. You'll just do them in a computer lab at the football facility and you're not sleeping, man, you are going to be hanging out there. You're going to get your hair cut there. You and your, your friends are going to hang out and you're going to have your meals there. Like that's, that's, that's part of the, the sort of formula. Now, if Florida state gives you, you know, a hundred thousand dollars more than Georgia, all right, whatever. I can I can walk across yeah. Pensacola Street. I can live with that. That's fine. But when you start getting into the margins of things, I, I do right. think that kind of goes into your your when these kids want to see their academic sort of presentation. And it we we sort of gloss over that too. There's a lot of things that go into the decision for these guys. It's like buying yeah. a house, man. It's you know, does the kitchen look nice? Does it have a nice backyard? Like I can live without it having one of those things, but you don't want it to be missing two of it. And then certain things. Well, I like I like both houses the same, but this one had. That. You don't want to give you don't want to give recruits an excuse not to choose your school. Well said. And yeah. if it's 50-50, if it's 45-55, but you don't have a you don't have something like that and Clemson has this awesome football place that they go and hang out their mansion where they, you know, they get to play laser tag and pretend to be firemen or whatever they do, it's it it can be important. So absolutely, I do think um, now in 2022, it, it is important. And I would say this real quick, not to push back too much, no. but I don't think it matters all that much about, I, I don't think the money is the end all be all. I think it probably is with super duper five-star recruits mm. or super duper five-star transfers. But I think the vast majority of college football players in this country are all within the same pay scale. Fair. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know what that is, whether it's between 10,000 and 50,000 or 25 and a hundred. I don't know. But your three stars and four stars, 
they're not bringing in a quarter of a million dollars. This is not so. The, the, like I'm saying, so if if Miami's offering you forty thousand and Florida State's offering you thirty one thousand, well, you're not going to pick Miami because of the extra nine thousand dollars because nine thousand is all your all, the amount of fans are going to see at the games if you go there. Like that, I think that matters more than that extra nine thousand dollars. That that I guess that's my point. But yes, if you're doubling somebody's offer or chances to make money, however we word it in this weird day that we live in. Um, that's a big deal, but yeah, so that all of that stuff matters. There was the recruit. Um, I, I uh, is his last name Otto, the yeah, big lineman. Yeah. Oh man, go listen to his interview, everybody, Senator but Otto. He, but right, but he talked about uh, the Florida State Film School and how he that's really important to him, like because he wants to get in a film. I don't know if he's going to be an actor. It sounds like he could be, or a director, or whatever he wants to do. But the film school mattered to him. Like that stuff matters to him. It's not all just about hey, there's an extra comma. I got two commas in this offer. I got one comma in this offer. This financial offer you're giving me. It, it can be something like film school or football college. The, your football college, yeah. whatever, whatever it is. You you just need to give them a. You have to give them every reason to say yes, and you don't want to give them an excuse to say no. I don't know how many kids over the years have said no to Florida State because of a football mansion, but I know not having one when you're recruiting against other teams that do is certainly not an advantage. I don't know how big a disadvantage it is, but it's certainly not an advantage, and you're looking for advantages. And it is officially going to be called the Albert J. and Judith A. Dunlap Football Center. Okay. I think I might just call it the, the DFC, you know, okay. Dunlap Football Center. How about the lap? Can you just call it the lap? <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. I'm down with the lap. I like that. I like that. Uh, by the way, shout out. Not going to call their name out, but uh, there were these huge banners uh, at the event and it had everyone's name in it that donated. There's different tiers. One of the pillars of uh, the show. He was on there. So yeah, shout, yeah. shout out yeah. to that guy. Doing doing well. <laughs> doing real. I love the people that like, I can't believe they're way. Quit sending the money to them. Send it to us. Like, man, some of these people have, they are okay. They multiple, are okay. Multiple fingers and multiple pots. Making <laughs> things happen for this program. It's yeah, man. And making everybody feel good. Spreading the joy around. Spreading the wealth. Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's a good time. So, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, like, because the, the it's all so unique because you're trying to get these high school kids to sign three days from now. And I think there's still a few they're in on, a few they're not sure about. Yeah. So do you tell the kids that, co that, that are coming in the portal, if they've said they want to come, do you tell them to wait until Thursday or tell them to wait until Wednesday afternoon to announce? Wait till the kids send his fax in? Like, I wonder how that works with the coaches and the players. Can we ask him that after practice today? Like, in a, I come, I, I want to ask him that last week, Mike Norvell, about, like, is there a science, like an art almost, to recruiting these things concurrently now? Because, like, the portal was always open, but now you only have that 45-day window, and it's right. running alongside of you trying to get these high school kids to commit. So I guess what you're saying is, like, if you're a, like a high school, like a, a, a transfer, you don't want them to commit until – but. If the high school kids no, I'm first. saying if you're trying to get a high school defensive end, okay. or let's say you're trying to get a high school cornerback, okay. and this kid from Virginia Fent told Charles you on Cypress. Sunday, yes. yeah, hey man, I'm coming, who and he's the number one recruit uh, in the right, portal, right, right, like right. he's number one in the portal. Would you tell him like, hey, we 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 don't want to scare off this kid from um, wherever Fort Lauderdale that we really think we got a shot at, and if you come, it might look like the defensive secondary is too loaded. So we might think about like maybe hold off until Wednesday afternoon. Now yeah, here's that's the thing: a good question, but that also but he would never answer there. it. Right, you you right. can't answer that. If they do do that, you wouldn't answer it because then it makes you look duplicitous and it makes you look uh, sneaky. So so you don't want to do that either way. But I, there's got to be because it's just such an odd time to be a coach and trying to get uh, kids to announce they're coming because you're going to get a 18 year old, you're going to get a 22 year old sometimes at the same position. And, you know, it's odd that they would they would mix and mingle and scare each other off, but they could. I think it goes back to the whole it's, it's not one one factor thing, right? Like, I don't think that would – it's not going to scare the player away, the young high school kid that this transfer is coming. Like, oh, he's going to knock me down the depth chart. Now I can't play my freshman year. I, playing time, I think, is not nearly as important as it once was or it's not marketed to these players as much as it used to be. 
But I would think that you would take that, man, because it just the amount of buzz it would create, continue to give you momentum if you have this kid. Like if that Fentrell Cypress kid walked yeah, off campus. I, that's a bad example. You would never tell him to wait because right. you'd be worried that somebody else would sneak in. He's like, no, I'm not waiting for, I'm not waiting for Joe Smith in Fort Lauderdale. Are yeah, you crazy? Yeah. I'm but more also, important than he is. Yeah. But somebody, I just thought like maybe there could be other examples with, with lesser, uh, lesser thought of total right. guys. Like, yeah. hey, man, we really want you to be here, but. Let us, you know, let us see if we get this, you know, Good whoever, problem, though. the running back from the running back that's committed to Texas uh, college blue blood problems or like, you know, first world problems is when you're encountering mm. this sort of quantity. Amen. So we think we're back. We think we're back. The clutch shot, the biggest hits. It's time for the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week. You heard the man. It's time for the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week. I'm going to go into the professional ranks. It was a historic game for the Vikings where they uh, overcame the largest deficit in NFL Mm. history. And our guy, Dalvin Cook, 95 yards on the ground, 95 yards through the air, catching a 64-yard touchdown that's just indescribably good. Catch and run where he pretty much rumble bumbles pinballs from like 15 yards away in the last part of the run to cross into the end zone and then also gets the two-point conversion to tie the game for Minnesota, pushes to overtime, they take down the Colts, which they were up, what, 33-0 to going into halftime, the Colts? Correct. they lost. Yes. Yes. Uh, Man, really was hoping it was going to work for Jeff Saturday, but it's it's not going to work for Jeff Saturday. But it worked for Dalvin Cook. Indescribably great run from an indescribably great player. Uh, He's my pick. Yeah, I'm going to stay on the same in the professional ranks, and I'm going to go with uh, Lionel Messi. Oh. God, I'm doing it, gang. I'm doing it. Look, man, it, I I can't imagine what it's like to to have the burden of a country's hopes on your shoulders. Like, you remember Steph Curry crying after he was like after these finals the last yeah, year because yeah. he played so well without Kevin Durant, yeah. and he was finally going to win Finals MVP. And it's like, man, even he, even Steph Curry, who's one of the ten greatest players of all time, felt this insurmountable weight on him because of people had questions about him and how good was he really i can't imagine what it was like for messi to be the best player in the world or arguably i don't know i don't know who whose side anybody's on but he's up there and never having won a world cup and for him to have that moment to have that whole tournament then to have two goals in the final in the most amazing the one of the most incredible sporting events i've ever watched um, and then to see like his teammates crying, to see the people I was with crying, to ha- to know that other friends I have were crying, uh, it's just uh, it- it's a really remarkable sporting event. And for the best player in the world and one of the best that's ever lived, I, I guess arguably he is the best that's ever lived. For him to have that moment, uh, it just was really neat to see as a sports fan. So I'm giving it to him. I can't imagine he's he's ever been given a higher honor than being the wake up war chant indescribably good player of the week. Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week. But Messi, you did it, man. I guess that kind of means Messi is a sponsor of Zaxby's now. I think Flores State offered him to be a kicker, but they ended up taking Gary Sismesa instead. Ooh, that's that's bad. That's where the Lionel Messi factors into an FSU podcast. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Lionel Messi, Dalvin Cook, are Zaxby's indescribably good players of the week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, as advertised, we've got recruiting analyst Michael Langson here on Wake Up War Champ, breaking things down from a busy, busy weekend. Michael, how busy of a weekend was it for you? <laughs> Pretty active. It was nonstop. It just uh, never slows down, it seems. But uh, 
just a wild day. So what happens, um, so, man? Uh, so what happens when you're covering a, a possible 10-win team, man? Everyone's excited. All right, let's get to it then, man. Uh, let's start off with Fentrell Cypress, obviously, the number one prospect in the transfer portal, according to On3, cornerback out of Virginia. The fact that Florida State got him on campus this quickly, I think, first. Is this the first place he's visited? Does he visited UCLA uh, okay. first. Uh, that was his first official visit, and then FSU was the other visit. I don't think he's taken any other officials that I know of. All right, what was uh, your impressions uh, after talking to him after his visit? Yeah, I think the big thing uh, that you heard a lot is that he could see himself there. He said that like five times during the interview, uh, I think a few times with the video that I think Ira put up about um, you know his visit. And I, I think that so one of the takeaways too, you know, he understands what the history of of what FSU DBs are, you know, what their strong history, and also just the way their their DBs are utilized and and really studying kind of the things they do, but also how that in, interacts with what he does, you know. So I think he liked uh, really liked the fact that there was a connection there, and I think that played in the part of 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 why he said you know several times of. You know the talk about um, you know, I could see myself here. It wasn't just football related. It was like stuff outside of football that he he loved the culture, he loved the family, and the connection he had with the coaches and even some of the players that were there. Who else is in the mix for him? Is it just you? See, is it a two team race at this point? Or who else is uh, should we be concerned with? Well, I asked him, you know, if he had any other teams besides FSU and you know, in UCLA and you said he didn't really list it, but then he indicated like how he, he gave the indication without saying it that, you know, he could decide sooner than later. That was kind of the, the way I took it. Basically he was going to go back home and think things over. And then, uh, it was sounded like, you know, just sounded like there could be a decision coming. He didn't really say, Hey, I'm going to do it soon. It's just the wording of stuff he said. I think Alabama and Georgia have also been mentioned. Ohio State, those teams have been mentioned, and certainly this favors FSU's recruitment uh, with him. If it's sooner than later, I think that's certainly a plus. If we hear something like, you know, Deuce come out and say, "Hey, I'm going to decide on uh, next Wednesday," that's I think a decent sign for FSU because I don't think they want this thing going long. I think they want to you know, capitalize on the visit and what they did this weekend. And I think that that will be kind of telling somewhat if if he does it like before January. You know, John Campbell, six foot five, three twenty, he started at left tackle every game for Miami, it looks like here according to Pro Football Focus. Yeah. I know you said that interior is more of the the sort of point of emphasis for the staff right now. Campbell did not grade all that greatly on PFF 59.5, he also graded out 59.5 in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, are, is this a depth guy, or do you think there's something there that maybe Alex Atkins and the staff thinks they can unlock and there's something special possibly? I think, I mean, it reminds me a lot of kind of the way they recruited Jazz Turrentine. Mm-hmm. You know, just it was kind of, it has the same feel to that where this isn't an impact starter, but it is a guy that. You know, if a guy gets hurt or if you need to plug him in, do you feel comfortable that he's played long enough that he has a lot of experience? And and that was kind of what I was alluding to in our recruiting chat. If they did go out there to tackle, it would be somebody like similar to John where, you know, he's not going to blow the doors off, but you don't need somebody to blow the doors off. You just need depth there that you can lean on. They're pretty high on Dottie Richardson. They're really high on uh, Julian Armel. We've heard that a lot. You know, so we know they're very high on the young guys, but to have that competition and depth, for me, it's a depth guy more than it is an instant impact guy. And I think this guy kind of fits, if they were going to take a tackle, he kind of fits everything because you got Robert Scott on one side. So, uh, and I think you, you feel pretty good about some of the guys, or they feel pretty good about the guys they have. So I think this is more, you know, a jazz jazz type of recruitment to me where you're looking for just a fit that a guy has experience that's productive yeah I mean they got blessed at tackle we saw what happened he went out jazz stepped right, right. in so this uh, seems to probably be a kind of a, an insurance policy right. as you mentioned right. 
Oh, let's wrap up on a couple more of these uh, transfer guys before we start talking about kids from high school. Uh, a lot of guys from high school on campus that are important to talk about. But all this is over the premium recruiting board. Everybody can check it all out. You'd be able to read this hours ago if you remember. It's only 10 bucks for a whole year. What are you waiting for? I don't know if it's Fisk or Fisky, but Braden, our guy from Western Michigan, he was on uh, arm in a sling, but he was still drinking his coffee. Shout out to him. <laughs> Deluna, I'm sure. Uh, graded out at 86.3. Uh, What's what's it about his game, and what's it about him? You think that has made the staff gravitate to him, and what do you th think he took away from his visit here in uh, Tallahassee? I I think uh, first of all, on the shoulder, I've heard he had shoulder surgery, which is basically to clean out some stuff. He did it last year, from what I was told. So it's not something serious for people that will worry with him coming around the sling. That's what I was told. As far as that, and FSU has no concerns over that. I think the thing that they love about this guy, this cat, is just. Um, Man, he is extremely athletic for a defensive tackle. He really gets off blocks quick and fast, and we know how Odell likes those guys. Uh, he likes his, his defensive tackles to have really good pass rushing skills, and I think uh, Brandon fits that. Uh, I think they, they love that, and I think he also likes just, you know, go back to the development thing of, you know, what FSU's done with Fabian Lovett. You know, these other several guys that they've already had, um, inside the program, and some of them are high school, some of them are, are guys that they got from the transfer portal, and I think he sees the type of development that happens with FSU, and I think that certainly jumped out to him. And then, of course, the culture, we see that all the time with, with visits that, you know, kids, you recruits see just the way FSU does things. I still think, uh, for me, I mean, he's taking a visit to USC as I talk on the uh, – pod with you right now okay. i think that's wrapping up maybe today and then he'll he'll leave on monday and i'm supposed to talk to him then but i just feel like based on what those two teams do like when notre dame and fsu those are still for me the two teams that ultimately probably is going to come down to um but um obviously in, uh notre dame would have the advantage with uh location certainly it'd be closer to home but uh, i think I think the big deal you know, around uh, Brendan has been, uh, you know, if the fit is better, you know, the comfort is better. Uh, I don't think location is like the ultimate deciding thing. So right now it's a wait and see on uh, what I want to hear what uh, Brent, Brandon has to say about the visit. But I think certainly they did everything. Uh, I think FSU accomplished everything they wanted to in, in selling their product. And I was told, like, uh, regardless if Love It comes back or not, they're going to take this kid. So that tells you just how hard the push is. And FSU's been probably the team that's on him the longest. So right when he jumped in there, they were all over this guy. So it tells you, like, no matter what, you're going to take the guy. It tells you that, you know, how high they are of, of him having a special skill that they feel like they covet and have to have on, on this defensive line. Conrad Hussey, Edwin Joseph, updates over on the PRB. Let me get this one from you, though, uh, second to last one. Andy Jean, Gators commit. Sure, he yeah. didn't like what he saw on the on the screen Saturday in Vegas from his boys in blue and orange. Um, what do you think uh, he felt about his time in Tallahassee this past weekend? Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you're you're officially visiting you know an arch rival and your your team you're committed to is playing on you know on field uh, on that Friday. I thought that was kind of interesting. And this thing has kind of been building for a while with Gene and FSU because. You know, start of the year, I mean, I think he visited really early in the spring, and I don't think there was really much hope or or thought or even from the Gator side that there was much, uh, you know, to worry about. And then as the season went on, he came to the Florida game, obviously watched FSU win that game. Great atmosphere. He, he seemed to be really impressed with what he saw from the FSU receivers. And then, too, uh, came back for this official visit. And, you know, a lot of people looked at, like, even the Florida side going into that weekend, they were like, yeah, we still feel confident. You know, we're not we're not that concerned. Then this morning, that confidence started to sway a little bit. Where you know FSU was you know having some momentum going in this, and they're like, you know, the, the impression I got was the Gator coaches are you're know, kind of nervous on this one uh, because you know, I don't think they're like, hey, we're we're trailing now, but I think it's like right up there near 50-50 that you know this could happen, and you know this is a uh, you know this one's a concern because of. I think, too, when you look at what FSU's receivers have done and their offense has done, and then you have Jordan Travis coming back next year, Florida doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be next year. So how are you going to know what 
you know, the fit is going to be even when you early get there, you know, get there early. So I think there's a lot more stable situation. I uh, thought I'd never say that with the FSU <laughs> offense and with Andy Jean. And I think he sees that. And I think he's very comfortable around a lot of these players. And Hakeem Williams spent a lot of time with him, told me that early this morning, that when he vis- when, when he officially visited that he was on him hard. And, and he felt pretty good about, you know, kind of how, the visit matriculated into with with all, all the things that happened and and um, so certainly FSU is now a threat. Uh, didn't think I'd say that after this visit. I was just expecting to get up with them. It's like okay, good visit, but you know, based on the intel I was getting from the Florida side, you you felt like that. But certainly, yeah, uh, they made a move, so that's one we're going to have to keep an eye on going into Wednesday. Andy Jean, six one one eighty receiver. From Northwestern High in Miami, just it seems a little bit weird to go after another receiver when they've got three in tow. They're only losing Pokey and maybe Destin Hill. I mean, so snicker, it's fine, everybody. It's I, I snickered when I saw the tweet too, but again, you know, Sam Spiegelman knows some things. Um, I mean, you think <laughs> they would see. add a you think they would add a fourth high school receiver? Oh, I think they would because they've always thought very highly in, of Andy Jean. I mean, okay. if it's an elite guy that they haven't they have an elite mindset of. Uh, that hey, we can get this guy in there. Obviously, there's some a you know, little bit of rumors about you know Malik McLean maybe going the portal. Mm. So uh, we don't know what Dustin Hill's actually going to do. I mean, yeah. Sam's great in Louisiana, but until I see it, I'm skeptical as hell until I see him on campus. So Fair. you know, you can't really put everything into that being for sure. And um, and then uh, I mentioned earlier uh, today that. You know, Goldie Lawrence didn't take his official visit. I've heard he's kind of cleaning oh, up some academic things. Okay. So there's some options to open up of of why you would want an Andy Gene. So now they now Goldie is still a take. Make that very clear. Is take for FSU, but he's just cleaning up some stuff. And if everything goes well, then he takes care of business. And I think he'll he'll be a Seminole. But you still have to factor all these different situations into you know, them possibly adding a fourth receiver. And I think uh, with Andy Jean, I think it was just some guy they kind of liked. I don't think you'd see this pursuit, but because it's such an elite guy in, in their minds, I think, uh, you know, they want to go for it. All right, last one. All right, we're going to play a little – we're going to have a little experiment here, a little little gamesmanship, if you will, Michael. Okay. All right, Keldrick Falk, 6'6", 243, is the edge rusher, Highland Home, Alabama. Auburn's got a new coach. It's Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze knows how to recruit kind of well. Highland Home is an hour and a half away from Auburn. It's three and a half hours away from Tallahassee. Yep. I know nothing of what you're about to say. Uh, but if I had to bet, if you know, when people ask you on the chat, like, hey, who's going to be the next commitment? Who who do we have to worry about flipping? Uh, I, I'd be the most concerned about a kid from the state of Alabama flipping to a program like Auburn with a guy like Hugh Freeze there. Uh, am, am, I being, am I being overreactionary? If I am, it's fine. Put me in my place. No, you're not. I don't think you're being overreactionary because, I mean, it's happened before to FSU with Alabama kids. I, I will say this in three phase. I do feel, based on the intel I have right now, that I think he sticks and he signs with FSU on Wednesday. But at the same time, it's a kid from Alabama. It's Hugh Freeze. I mean, you, you can do the, You can hit the Google thing and know <laughs> what that means. So um, you still are going to be nervous. Um, now, FSU felt really good coming out of that visit. But it's still, we got to wait a few more days, and he's still got to sign that letter of intent. But the one thing I can say is, no matter what, even through this pursuit from uh, Auburn to Falk, he's stayed very consistent on uh, you know just how much he is with FSU. But, yeah, I mean, you got every reason to be nervous with an Alabama kid in the state of Alabama that you're trying to pull in there. And uh, got a new staff. That's always exciting. And then it's Hugh Freeze, so you got to just you got to keep your your eyes to the your head to the grindstone of of anything could happen. But you know, uh, I don't think it's an overreaction. All right, well we'll see. We don't have to wait too much longer, everybody. Early signing day is Wednesday, the twenty first. I don't know. Are we gonna do? We'll probably have to do some sort of live show. I would imagine Michael and myself, maybe on Tuesday. Who knows? Michael needs some rest, but he probably won't sleep. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some sort of wall-to-wall coverage on Wednesday. Be on the lookout for when we drop the schedule on that. And in the meantime, I'm sure you'll have the premium recruiting board buzzing with news. Yeah, I mean, that's the plan. Uh, I think on signing day we're going to pop in on two different times, and we'll have some good stuff for you guys. Anytime something's happening, we'll certainly 
I'll jump in with Aslan or Tom or somebody and we'll, we'll break it down, but certainly we'll have a lot more, you know, leading up to signing day. And if you're looking for a good thing, that's going to make you happy waiting, obviously waiting on Fox. There's a little drama there, but, um, outside of that, every single commitment is expected to sign on Wednesday. So there's a good sign that, you know, the rest of them I think are good. And I think they're going to add a few more pieces to that puzzle on Wednesday as well. So, um, you know, if you're looking for something to take positive as we go away off, off the pod, uh, that's what I have for you. All right, we love it. Michael Langson, everybody, recurring on for Warchant.com. Thanks for the time, Michael. You got it. Holiday season is upon us. It's bowl season, everybody. My bookie is in the giving spirit with 12 straight days of giveaways. From odd boosts to casino chips to straight-up locks, my bookie's 12 days of giveaways is a cannot miss promotion starting december 21st ending january 1st you can bring in the new year the right way with giveaways that can help you fill your stockings with cash this season all you gotta do is use that promo code warchant when you sign up over at mybookie.ag and you can get a bonus of up to two hundred dollars when you use that promo code again the promo code warchant to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for betters looking to cash in and cash out really quickly um we went one for one in the bowls uh, from Friday. Uh, the bowl game we got today, we got Marshall getting 11 or giving 11 points to my UConn Huskies and Jim Moore Jr. I'm on the Huskies train, Corey. Give me 11 points. I'll take them. UConn. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm with you. I'll do the same. Okay. I'm with you. Sorry, buddy. Okay. MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code WARCHAN, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, thanks again to Michael. Uh, again, we'll have more recruiting stuff going on with him throughout the week over on WordChant.com, so uh, do check it out. Like literally every week, every day, I'm sorry, there's multiple threads up there with nuggets on the recruits. So if you're into this, and I know a lot of you are, you need to be on WordChant because you're getting, like this podcast, you get once a day in the morning. But this thing is updated two or three times a day at the least, and you can really stay up to date on all the people, all the comings and goings and the portals and the Nationals uh, signing day that's coming up and who's going to be uh, Florida State Seminole on Wednesday. All right, we're getting ever closer to uh, our bowl game, but uh, the bowl season is kind of getting in full gear here. Nice nice weekend of games. Uh, Vegas, baby. I like what mm. I saw in Vegas on Saturday, Corey. I was at the, the groundbreaking most of it, but I got home to see just the, the final half of indignity for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. Uh, what were they down? Uh, 30 what to zero were they down was it 30 even I it just they had one opportunity to maybe go for a touchdown save some face go out with some pride uh, but they decided to kick a field goal to avoid the uh, indignity of being shut yeah. out because have they ever been shut out they've never been shut out or has it been a long time since no it's been out? like since 1988 they okay. have the longest streak in the country ah that's what it was so I get it, man, and that was that's my overall point when I was watching because I didn't watch much of that game. I was actually I was really dialed into the Jackson State um, North Carolina Central game. Honestly, that was a really it was uh, it was good college football game, game. Uh, great game. But I did I was keeping up, and then I was watching the Florida State basketball team, which I guess we should talk about both of them real quick. Number one, uh, Florida State's men lost by fourteen points to St. John's, but I thought played almost as well as they could offensively. Darren Green hit eight threes, had 30 points, and I'm such a fan of what Matthew Cleveland is becoming because they lost Cam Fletcher, they don't have Ganey, the big guys aren't very good, and they can't play him a lot. So Matthew Cleveland has been challenged, or he challenged himself to become a rebounder and to become somebody that goes and imposes his will on games, and that's what he's doing. He had 23-13 and 13 in that game. I think it was his third straight double-double. Um, he was a career high in points and rebounds against a really strong team and a really physical team. So I just, I, after a horrible start, in my opinion, for him, for what I was expecting for him to start this season, he's really kind of turning into the player I thought he was going to be, and that was that's good to see. And then the women, 
Man, I, I, I did not make Tania Latson the indescribably good player of the week because I just can't do it every week. Uh, but she had 24 points. They lost at UConn, but that was a true road game. That was in the Mohegan Sun, which is in Connecticut. Those fans are nuts. Connecticut's women's basketball fans are unlike any other. So it was a true road environment, a tough environment. And I thought Brooks' team played well. They hung in there. They cut it to, I think, three, three or four points with like three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And then their whole team fouled out. But Tania Latson had 24 points in that game. I'm saying it. Uh, she she's she's she might be she might end up being the best player in the country. Like this is this is unique. What Florida State has here. This is this this has never happened here before. Uh, maybe men or women that they've had a player quite like this. So that's going to be really fun to watch her career. Well, uh, Ham's had watch some the rest of the season. Ham's had some guys who just hasn't really deployed them the way that Brooke is deploying. I was going to say he, you know, Scotty Barnes was a very good player. Obviously, his one year here, he was the fourth pick in the draft. He averaged like eleven points a game. This is somebody that's dropping 24 at UConn and not even playing that well for her. Like, not shooting like, was she 7 of 19? Didn't even shoot well for her and still scores 24 points and is probably the most talented, not probably, in my opinion, was the most talented player on the court. And she's playing UConn. Like, again, this is just, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. So it's fun to see. Fun to see. But anyway, so back to the Florida thing real quick. Um, what that to me them kicking that field goal just i i got it i understood at the moment i know florida state fans want to dunk on them and want to make fun of them i get it for kicking a field goal with 20 seconds left when you're down 30 to nothing but the only thing that could be salvaged from that game is to keep your um stupid scoring streak intact because what a it kind of would be a travesty for them to lose it on that facade of a football game because when you're playing when you're a team like Florida and you're playing on December 17th in Las Vegas half your team is missing you're playing your third string quarterback it makes that bowl game almost almost a forfeit like you almost should have just forfeited the thing. Stop it! You're, uh, no, I mean like I'm not Dan saying Mullen, I want Mullen, that. You sound like Dan Mullen the Sugar Bowl a few years back when they got No, that's different cuz that's the Sugar Bowl. But this is a bowl. It's six you're 6 and 6. Half the I, there is a clip that's on social media of I can't remember the kid's name. He's number thirty three. I looked him up. I know his first name is Princely, which is an awesome name. Yeah. But he's a defensive end for Florida that started a lot this year, played a lot. And there's a clip of him in that game when it's still ten nothing, acting like he's at a walkthrough in a hotel ballroom, like that he's not being that this is not a real football game. It looked like what you'd see in the Pro Bowl. And it's like, man, is this how the, these types of bowl games are going to be treated? Because you've made them so irrelevant and the, the, the tone of college football has shifted to the point where if you're not playing for something important, you shouldn't play at all. You're either in the portal or you're off to the pros. And so Florida is left with a JV team to compete against another team that's trying for 10 wins and is trying to win. That's what it felt like to me. So I was like, man, I would. And look, I always like to see Florida lose. Always, I'm not playing a violin for the Oof. Gators. I promise you. Oof, I hope I'm they lose. At, I'm looking at that clip. My gosh, is my that not incredible? Gosh. You should put it on our on our on our uh, on our Twitter so people know yeah, if they want to go to our yeah. Twitter, they can see it. You can retweet it or something. Yeah. But that that to me tells you every to me everything that's wrong with the current state of college football postseason because Oregon State really wanted to be there. They're playing for 10 wins. It was an important game to them. Florida had no, did not want to be there in the least. And they had half their players were gone. And it looked like it. So I was like, eh, this is just, a, it'd be like losing a, it'd be like losing a 470 game winning streak like that on an exhibition, which is what these games feel like. But they won't to Florida State. No. no. To the overall point that I was trying to make is that's what's so cool about this game coming up in Orlando to me is. I think most of most, if not all, the eligible Florida State players will be playing. Not Demore Tate, though. We can get to him in a second. But um, but that it matters to Florida State, and they are going to try. They're not going to just try when they show up on Orlando on the 29th. They're going to try the next two weeks in practice to get ready for that game because it matters to them. But there's other teams where it clearly doesn't matter, and it's like, what is this even for? What is Florida even doing in this game? What does what is the point of this? What is the point of this? That's what I watching that kid on that pass rush and just looking at the stats and Florida had what a I don't know 100 yards of offense after the first quarter. 
I just kept asking myself, what in the world is the point of this game? And no, I, I don't. I, for Florida, there wasn't one. So. I don't know, man. You, you're representing your school. You're representing yourself. I don't know, man. It's competition. I, uh, I'm yeah, not but nearly clearly as... it didn't matter to those guys. And well, but if you're one out, of the guys man, that stayed, that's, that's endemic to a locker room. That's that's bad stuff. I don't know, man. It's probably, but it's also a first year head coach, and so half the guys were, you know, I think they have 20 guys, 15, 18, 20 guys in the portal. They've had other guys that are that are going pro that weren't playing. So it was just like, man, these the guys that did stay. They know their best players aren't with them, and it's like that. Just the team that Florida State beat in Doke was nothing at all like the team that showed up in Las Vegas three weeks later. It's like, well, what is even the point of this game then? Like, can we? And I, there's nothing to do. There's nothing. I'm not saying that you should cut off the portal or make these kids play, but there are going to be games like this where it's just it's it's a travesty to the sport to watch something like that. It was like it was like watching. One team playing an NFL Week 8 game like it was the second exhibition game. That's what it felt like. One team cares. The other team is treating it like it's the second week of uh, preseason camp. And it was just gross to watch. But how about Dion's game, man? That was Now, that was a fun game to watch. Yeah, especially if you're like really uh, still bitterly angry at him for taking Travis Hunter away from you. Uh, yeah, you know. That, it's, guy, uh, that guy, by the way, I, I get it. I get it. I, I see what people saw on the guy. I, it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess what? Nothing Nothing stays gold, Pony Boy. Uh, mm. You know, were they 13 and 0, 12 and 0 going what it, to the game? I think it was stay golden, stay Pony golden. Boy is the right. quote. Yeah. Well, never mind. Yeah, they lost. <laughs> um, I was like, one, I was one week late on my, uh, you know, shade Dion pick when I thought they maybe would keep the SWAC championship game a little closer than they. Uh, the, the odds makers thought it was, but it was the, the HBCU National Championship, the Celebration Bowl, where they kind of uh, let it slip through their fingers. Quite literally, they had a game-tying touchdown opportunity that a young man dropped. But I saw a video, I think, of Dion actually consoling him in the locker room after, so that's kind of cool. But, yeah, that's uh, that's his parting gift. Uh, maybe it's you know not nearly as cool as beating the Gators on Jimbo's way out of town, um, but I don't know if he's going to be more reviled than Jackson as Jimbo's in Tallahassee, but... Uh, they play oh no, well, I don't think so know. at all. I I I think that that's a completely different situation. Uh, I could, but the guy, and I don't know the the guy that was doing the the game that was doing the color analyst for the game, um, but he made it pretty clear that a lot of people were cheering against Dion. Like he he's like most. I, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he essentially said most of the HBCU world is rooting for North Carolina Central. They do not want Jackson State to win this game. I'm not sure why. Um, necessarily, but uh, that was that was the case, and I um, that was just, it was just a it was a really cool game, man. It was a it was back and forth. Um, Travis Hunter made an, a really really impressive catch with the game on the line at, at his second position. You know, he's still a, a predominantly a cornerback, um, but for him to I mean, he's just a, he's a freak, man. Uh, he's a freak, uh, and I think most people, I think Jackson State fans were just clearly bummed. Because when are they ever going to have a team like that again? Dion's already basically said he's bringing all the good ones with him. He's taking them all, um, or going to try to anyway. So that to me is going to be very, very interesting over the next week because not, none of those guys have been in the portal because they had this game to play. They had the HBCU national championship game to play, but that's over now. So I would assume Monday morning you're going to start. I know his kids are in the portal, but that was an uh, that was obvious. Dion's kids were going to be in the portal, but. Who else from that group? Kevin Coleman, he had a long touchdown in that game. He's a former Florida State recruit, um, five-star receiver. Uh, obviously, Travis Hunter, I can't imagine. I would be – what? Langston wrote him off. Langston actually kicked the uh, – he nudged the door open like two weeks ago, and then last week he slammed it shut right in my face. No, I, I'm not about Florida State, but what? how surprised – what odds would you give me that, that Travis Hunter is at Jackson State next year? Is oh, it 1,000 to 1? Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's 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 got to be like that, right? At least yeah. five hundred to one. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's there's no chance. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, you know, I know Florida State fans are still pretty bitter about it, and I I'll be honest with you, I'm not bitter about it. I'm bummed about it because I think it would have been awesome to cover somebody like Travis Hunter. I just do, and I think it. I I is he going to go to Boulder, Colorado, where they don't care all that much about football? I mean, is he is it just to be with Dion? Um, I I just think. 
I, I saw the crowd for that game. That's the HBCU National Championship. The whole top deck of Mercedes-Benz was empty. Now he's got to ask himself, he could be at Georgia right now, and they're getting ready to play in that exact same stadium two weeks from now. And I guarantee you there's not a seat in the house. And it's Georgia-Ohio State. It's for like the, the actual college football national championship. And I just think he's got to say to himself, okay, what are the chances I can play in a game that big if I go follow Dion to Colorado? And I'm not, I'm not selling Florida State. I just think there's going to, it's going to be fascinating to see where he ends up. Is he going to end up? Um, I mean, he could go anywhere. Ohio State, Southern Cal, Georgia, Alabama, Florida State. I mean, they're all out yeah, there. Anybody yeah. would take them. But I just, I would be stunned if he stays at Jackson State. I just couldn't oh, fathom yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, the conversation is, does he go to Colorado or not? That's a conversation. There's no way he's staying at Jackson State. And I don't you fault him for it. I mean, you know, you can talk about, I want to come to Florida State and change this program around. doesn't mean you have to stay here all four years. You can leave early. You can go to the NFL. I know it's a little bit different. You leave after one year versus three years. But, you know, what him and Dion did to, to bring so much more exposure to HBCUs, that's a real thing. I mean, I don't know. Some people thought that Dion signed a blood contract, like he was never going to leave the HBCUs, and Travis Hunter was going to make sure that no five-star kid ever uh, didn't consider like putting one of these schools in their top five and visiting. Uh, that was never like their sort of uh, aim. I mean, for what they for one year, man, they I think they did they carried out probably a large part of you know their charge. I don't think they necessarily again. I don't think they signed life contracts to finish out their careers yeah. at Jackson State or HBCU. So I never. I never got too upset about that part of the equation of things. I, I know a lot of people did, but you know we can disagree. Well, I, I think it was more about how it was presented that they – and I think people – the counter to that is, okay, they brought a lot of attention to HBCU, but what will that attention be like next year? I don't think College Game Day is going back to Jackson. So was it – did it what, – what impact will it really have? Because Dion is his own thing. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not like they went to Jackson State and Joe Smith is that. That's my go-to name now. Good and by the way, Joe Smith was a great college basketball player. He's number one pick in the draft. Won back national in the title, man. Yeah, man. He was, he was a, well, no, I don't think he did. He was at Maryland. They, yeah, he was the, the one number year. One. The one year they won the national title. Wasn't it Joe Smith? No, no. It was after him. It was Juan Dixon. He carried that uh, team Oh, right all right, all right. Um, okay, good memory, though, man. Nice. Better but, uh, memory from you, though. But they, they're not there at, uh, they didn't go to Jackson State because Joe Smith was the coach. Right. They went to Jackson State because Dion was the coach. Well, now that Dion is not in an HBCU anymore, will will that all the attention he brought will it just be a one or two year blip, or will something have fundamentally changed about the way college football fans view HBCUs? I think maybe that's why the guy that was announcing the game said that he thought many many HBCU fans were rooting against Jackson State, or a whole lot of the HBCU community was rooting against Jackson State, because I think they felt like Dion used them as a stepping stone. Now, all coaches do. You know, he, he said some things when he took the job that, you know, I can understand people having a problem with now in hindsight that he's moved on. But, yeah, man, that's what happens with stepping stones is people feel like they got stepped on. Like, but Jackson State was always going to be a stepping stone job. And I think we all thought, all of us thought, there's no way Travis Hunter is going to be at Jackson State for three years with Dion because, as I was saying in August, yeah. like, man, if Mike Norvell struggles out of the gate and Jackson State's 12-0, and 0, which I, I predicted they would be, Florida State would, Dion would be on Florida State's radar. So yeah. we all knew that, that Dion was not going to be at Jackson State long, and obviously Travis Hunter, I think, knew that too. I, I think maybe they would have liked them for two years, but you got, you got the number one player in the country for one year. Now, let's see what HBCU's recruiting rankings are two years from now. You know what I mean? Like, did this matter at all, or was it just strictly tied to Dion? And now that Dion's at Colorado, he's going to have a resurrection for Colorado. And then when he moves on to somewhere else, it's gonna. But it, so it's all gonna be about what Dion's bringing, not necessarily him fundamentally changing um, the power structure of the HBCU or Colorado University. Gonna be fascinating though, Aslan, especially because as we found out last week, the, Dion can bring in fifty guys. Yeah, he can bring in a whole new team, and he will because I can promise you, the way he talked to those kids in that meeting room in Boulder, he there might be seven of them left on the team by the time he's done. Uh, one of them was actually, I think, on campus this past weekend here in Tallahassee, an offensive lineman. So, 
Oh. Uh, there's a possibility, though, as Michael said, that he might return to Colorado, but uh, not probable. So we'll see how that All goes. Right. That'd be kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Traded Travis Hunter for uh, the Roddick kid. <laughs> you know? Sure. Put that in your pipe, Dion. Yeah, All that's right. right. That's a wrap for us. We'll do at least two more shows this week. There's practice this morning, so do stay connected to Warchant.com. Probably around a little bit after lunchtime, 1230 or so, is when things will start probably populating onto the YouTube page as well as Warchant.com. So be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, uh, Jeff Cameron show, 1 to 3 o'clock. And then, of course, the PRB is going to be going crazy with Michael posting all the stuff that's coming across his desk. And then, again, we'll do... We'll do at least two more shows this week. Corey. Oh, also one last thing. Shout out to Jacoby Myers of the New England Patriots for the dumbest play in the history of sports. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, I only bring it up because I've seen the highlight now five times since we've been recording this. But that is the by far the dumbest play ever, ever. Um, and I know you. if you're listening to this, you probably have an idea what I'm talking about. But if you don't, just go Google New England's Patriots, Las Vegas Raiders, because that was incredible. Did you see it live, Aslan? No, but why? Why, why doesn't the guy that uh, the guy that the running back that started? Why doesn't he get blamed? No, that's the second dumbest play ever. <laughs> but he's just like he. Yes, he should have gone down. Like it was. They they clearly were playing as if they were down by a point instead of realizing. Oh, if I get tackled here, we still go to overtime. Yeah. We called a draw at our own 40 with two seconds left. We're not trying to win the game right here, clearly. But anyway, he, he busts off a 25-yard run, and in his head he's thinking, oh, well, there's a receiver. Maybe if I get it to him, he can bust around and make it could be like the, the band is on the field play. But Jacoby Myers, what makes him so – what makes that one so crazy is who he's throwing it to. <laughs> he's, he runs backwards yards back. 10 yards and then throws it to Mac Jones – Who's at his own 40. So the best possible scenario for Jacoby Myers' attempt is Mac Jones catches it, the slowest player in the NFL probably, catches it at his own 40 and only has 60 yards left to negotiate against NFL an NFL defense to go score the game winner. Like what was the point of it? That was that's what that was what was so in half the defense was still at its own 10 yard line. It's not like they had sucked everybody up and, oh, if he just gets by Chandler Jones, he might score. No, but he just throws a I, – I, and I'm, I'm curious as to how that's scored. Is that an interception for Chandler Jones or is it a fumble recovery? Oh yeah, fumble, reco is? fumble recovery because it's all laterals or it's all thrown. Everything was so lateral. that when you when you intercept a lateral, it, it counts as a. It, I guess it counts as a fumble recovery, even though it wasn't technically a fumble. Well, because it wasn't a forward pass. It's only an interception. If it's oh, a forward okay. Pass. All right. All right. You're right. Um, okay. So. <laughs> well, it's crazy though. I, I I enjoy. I mean, I well, really so really enjoyed like, that. I mean, you gotta make that tackle, Mac. Right? You gotta make that tackle, man. <laughs> how about that? I can't imagine how mad he is at Jacoby Myers. Number one for being for doing what he did, but also he is a meme for the rest of his life. That's like a butt fumble. That's like the butt <laughs> yeah, fumble. It's bad. Mac Jones getting stiff armed, like treated like a four year old, like a, a dad trying to get to the refrigerator, screwing around with his four year old, pushing him to the ground <laughs> with the game on the line. Mac Jones got punked like that. And that that could alter his his entire future as a as a football player as a quarterback as a man like that that could alter his entire future all because Jacoby Myers decided to throw a 20 yard lateral should have made him our Zaxby's indescribably good player for making know. us laugh like this can good. I go back feels good for the soul what an eventful Sunday yeah all right we're done a couple more shows coming up warchant.com Jeff Cameron show one to three o'clock we love you guys